You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 35 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. The 2017-18 budget included tightening the rules around the small business CGT concessions. So on the 8th of February this year, 2018, the ATO issued its exposure draft titled Improving the Small Business CGT Concessions. Patrick Huang of Argo Lawyers kindly offered to walk us through these proposed changes. Patrick starts with an overview of the current status and then outlines for us what might change. Here's Patrick. These concessions, as, as you know, is targeted towards, um, towards people who operate small businesses that are businesses which either, broadly speaking, um, have an annual turnover of less than $2 million or their net asset value is less than $6 million. Broadly speaking, that's, that's what it is. There are a number of integrity measures in the smallest community to provisions, which is subdivision 152 of the, of the IATA in 1997, which sort of tries to minimize or give it in, or is counted towards ways that you can structure affairs where you're really getting more than six million, you have more than six million dollars net worth. Uh, in that situation, you won't be able to claim the full exemption. But otherwise, you are entitled to it, provided certain requirements are satisfied. Obviously, there's the proposed reforms where there's an additional integrity measure, so we'll touch upon that later. Uh, but in the meantime, the, the concession, the, there are four uh, small business CD concessions. That is your 15-year uh, exemption, which gives you full capital gains tax exemption, provided that you meet the 15-year rule, provided that you are... You are retired if you're not incapacitated or if you are incapacitated, yet certain age requirements are met. The other exemption is your 50% reduction, which where you can't get the 15-year exemption, then you're able, you're entitled to reduce your capital gain by 50%. And then when, when there's still remaining capital gains, net capital gains, then you're allowed the retirement exemption of up to $500,000, where if you put $500,000 into a compliant super fund, you're able to reduce your capital gain by a further $500,000. And, and the funny thing is, you don't actually have to retire to claim the retirement exemption. You have to be uh, yes, you have that's to right. retire for the 15-year exemption. Yes, you do. Yes, you, you do. No, it's, it's that's why that's why it's a little bit weird when they call it call it the retirement exemption. I think the idea is that. Well, they call it retirement exemption because you're putting money into super, and super um, is the overarching principle behind super is that it's, that it's meant to be for your retirement. I think that's why it's called the quote-unquote retirement exemption. And then when you've got – when you still have any capital gains left over, which means that you've done really, really well below 14 years, then you've got the rollover concession as well where – um, you're able to acquire a similar asset to one that at your business and you're able to defer your capital gain until the sale of that um, further business. It's very important to talk about these concessions, in particularly in this context of the super reforms, because with the super reforms, you've got your limit in terms of non-concessional contributions into the fund and then your $1.6 million uh, transfer cap 
in terms of moving uh, funds from your accumulation. accumulation phase into pension phase. So there are large limits on on that in terms of super. The good thing about small business security concessions is that where you, with the 15-year exemption and retirement exemption, super contributions that you put into your into your super fund pursuant to those exemptions aren't counted as non-concessional contributions, which means it doesn't interfere with your limits that you already have on putting in non-concessional contributions per year, subject to your total super balance. In other words, if you run a small business and you satisfy these concessions, you're able to put in um, additional amounts to super over and above your non-concessional contributions. There is a lifetime cap when it comes to super as well. It is for, for, so for the 2016-17 year is $1.415 million. So for each subsequent year, it's indexed annually, um, which means you can put in up to $1.4 million into super, which means that you're a very, very successful small business. So if you are in that sort of, if you are in that sort of boat, I say congratulations. Obviously, to access these concessions, a number of basic requirements need to be fulfilled. Um, the first one is is a very trite, but it still needs to be said. Um, you need to have a CGT event, and which resulted in a capital gain in order to get these concessions. So if you do sell your business and you sell it at a capital loss, then you won't be able to access these, con- access these concessions, which impacts whether or not you can put money into super through this method, which is very, very important. You, being the taxpayer, have to, has to be a, a CGT small business entity, which means that your annual turnover is less than $2 million in the previous financial year, or you satisfy the net maximum net value test. Um, or you're a taxpayer, or you're a partner in the partnership that's a small business entity itself. The CGT asset that you're selling has to be an active asset, um, and there are special rules in terms of, of whether a passive asset, such as shares or real property, can also be considered an active asset as well. There is an 80% test that needs to be satisfied. Um, and where the CGT asset that you're disposing of is shares in a company or interest in a trust, um, you, being a taxpayer, has to be known as a CGT concessional stakeholder. In, in other words, you need to have a small business percent participation percentage of at least twenty percent in relation to that share in relation to that company or that trust. If you are a significant individual, you mm-hmm. need to have at least twenty percent. But if you're just the spouse of a significant individual, then you just need to have more than zero percent. That's correct. That's correct. And that is actually percent potentially another sort of asset protection strategy whereby you can um, uh, use this to provide for your spouse as well. So that is definitely something that can be um, used when, when, considering, when considering about succession planning and the like, definitely. So given all these requirements, um, it might be a good space now to talk about the proposed reforms that came in. So in the 2017-2018 budget that the coalition government had announced, um, one of the things in there was about an integrity measure. And the stated policy, according to the government at the time, is to, quote-unquote, prevent taxpayers from accessing the concessions for assets unrelated to their small business, such as arranging their affairs so that their ownership interests and larger businesses 
do not count towards the tests for determining eligibility for the concessions. So we look at that and say, yes, that makes that sort of makes sense. You know, if if people have if certain taxpayers have large interests in large companies, then it is very unlikely they'll be able to fulfill the $6 million net value asset test. So in any case, they shouldn't be subject to, shouldn't be able to get the concessions in any case. So the sort of the tax provision was sort of thinking about that, had that sort of thinking in mind. We had an exposure draft that was just released on 8th of February. And the, the general commentary seems to be that it's gone beyond what the integrity measure is supposed to supposed to go. So it makes it more complicated than yes, was originally Yes, it makes intended. it more complicated. It is exposed to draft and it's not final legislation. What it does is it introduces the concept of an object entity and there are various tests that need to be satisfied in relation to that object entity being the share, being shares in the company or interests in the trusts which hold the relevant small business um there's you could call it three or four new tests to deal with that object entity and and like you said heidi it's it's it just adds an additional burden and complexity to small business taxpayers Um, that's one of the main gripes that um that tax professionals have with this current proposal so in terms of one of the tests, you've got this sort of act, modified active asset test where they look at whether the object entity itself um, satisfies this active asset test, whereby any cash or financial instruments that is in the object entity, it's not counted towards as not counted towards the active asset test in the sense that it can't be in the sense that where you want to satisfy the test that 80% of your assets is active active. assets, cash and financial instruments can no longer be considered active. Oh, I see, because before they could. Before they could, because presumably it was used for the business, but now under this modified active asset test for the purposes of this particular test, that's imposed on the object entity, you can't, okay. unless it's used as trading stock, in which in which case you are a money lender, or if you're a financial instrument, it means that you are a um, you're a financial planning business, or you're a um, stockbroker, or a stockbroker, or the like, which makes it harder for ordinary or other businesses that's not in, not money lending or doing stockbroking or the like to be able to access to be able to satisfy the eighty percent active asset test which means you won't be able to get your concessions. I guess what this tries to, what it means or what the government's trying to do is say, if you've got excess cash in the business, you should be stripping it out. You should be taking it out and dividing it out, which does mean that you'll need to pay, if it's in a, if it's in a company, 30% tax on the excess cash taken out, um, or if it's loan, then it's subject to division, say, 7 a rates, or it's a deemed dividend, or if it's an interest in a trust and you want to, and you want to distribute it, then it has to be distributed and certain tax needs to be paid. So it's one way the government's saying, so it's sort of a twofold thing. Government's saying your ability to get the concessions is now going to be limited, which could lead to a higher tax tax payable to you. But also, if you have excess cash, you need to take it out and need to pay tax on distributing the excess cash out. So it's sort of a double whammy sort of effect. 
mm. um, and sort of and sort of done the done upfront because previously you you could, you could leave the access cash in there and you could take it out at another point in time, but now you're sort of forced to do it if you want to get the concessions. Sort of a double whammy effect. Yeah, if, um, if the cash means you get below the 80%. That's right. Do you think this piece of legislation was drafted with bucket companies in mind? I don't expect that bucket companies themselves will be able to get the small CDT concessions anyway. in the first place hmm. because a bucket company, all it does, it just it's just yeah, it used to trade. park. doesn't trade. All it used is to park cash until a particular point in time where, where for tax planning purposes it's okay to take it out. Then the other sort of um, test is in that sort of modified asset, active asset test is where they look into where they look at assessing the market value of shares or interests that the object entity holds. There's a look through approach to look through to the underlying asset behind the interests behind the company or the trust of which the object entity has shares or interest in. And then you flow through to ultimately to the underlying assets. But throughout this process, you look at the proportionate interest that the object entity has in those shares or the interest. But that proportion is on the basis of, and this is the key thing, it's on the basis of the small business participating percentage, not a fixed percentage, which, which is sort of, implied in the current law. Currently, it's now the small business participation percentage. The introduction of having the small business participation percentage is quite nebulous because there can be circumstances where that participation percentage could be zero, which means that where the, where the percentage is zero, then the value of the underlying asset is zero and it doesn't count towards it being um, an active asset. So the active asset component of the, sh of the share in the company or the interest in the trust is actually zero, which makes it harder to satisfy the 80% active asset test under, this on the, under these modified provisions. Again, it's just another way of really tightening the rules around um, around accessing your CGD concessions by way of, of making it hard to satisfy this modified active asset test. Mm. And it, I think the commentary, is, the commentary that's come out is quite right to say that these integrity measures goes beyond what is intended. intended. Was it an issue that a lot of shareholders structured their affairs through trusts or in other ways? So uh, yes, yes, quite rightly so. Um, I think it is an issue in that sort of sense because people have structured their assets for asset protection purposes. For example, they might have um, they might have the actual business in one structure. They might have, say, a property that that leases premises to that small business in another structure. Mm -hmm. And the way, and this commentary would suggest that and this the way, way they keep these, their net assets low below the six million. Yes, that's a whole that's the whole point. But now what they're saying here is that particularly with this new test around uh, around the object entity itself being subject to it, so there's a new test now called where the object entity itself has to be subject to has to be a CGT small business entity or needs to satisfy the net market value asset test, 
that requirement is now being um, further restricted because um, the connected entity threshold uh, under the under that test it used to be twenty used to be forty percent, but now for the purpose of this test, it's twenty percent. Oh, okay. which means the number of entities that could be caught uh, under this test is actually quite is actually much much more which makes it harder to satisfy these tests hmm. so this very lenient rule before that passively held assets used in the business of a related entity mm-hmm. that option has been tightened in a way it has in a way it has and it has caused a, a I guess it has caused a bit of grief for the tax industry, which is why this is open for this is open for public consultation. The public consultation has already closed. It closed on twenty uh, eight Feb. The public consultation period has already closed. It closed on twenty eight Feb, which is only twenty days after the release of this draft legislation. So it doesn't give much comfort to taxpayers that we only that the industry has only given 20 days to write submissions in relation to this. And also what's also quite nebulous and this and people are calling this unfair and inappropriate is that these new rules were were slated to come in and apply retrospectively from 1 July 2017, which means for taxpayers have already sold their businesses after 1 July 2017 in the current financial year, may be caught under mm. these rules. But I can imagine they will change that. I can imagine they will move it to 1st we we'll, we'll see. We'll see, what the, we'll see what the government has to say about that. Mm. We, we, we shall see. Mm. And so was there a kind of a public outcry about this exposure draft or the industry hasn't really noticed that this is in um, the industry. In the, the industry has noticed how it's impacted in terms of the public domain, in terms of mums and dads. I don't think it's reached that sort of level like it is with the super reforms, but there's certainly a bit of concern about this as well. So hopefully we'll see the government come to its senses and provide some more sensible, um, more sensible reforms. So we shall see. We'll just see what happens. So this was just a quick overview of the four um, small business CGT concessions. Um, the basic requirements needed to access the concessions and what could be installed in terms of the new integrity measures that's come through as part of the 2017-2018 federal budget. Welcome back. If these changes go through as proposed, it will have a huge impact on some of our clients. For example, farmers who hold land in a separate entity. In the next episode, episode 36, Ben Sewell of Sewell & Kettle will talk about the common reporting standards, CIS. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.